Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode 82. I'm your host, Martino Puccio. Pepparisha still out for the State of Play podcast. For now, hopefully he returns back at the start of international break. Uh, alongside me is Matt Santangelo. No guest today. Uh, Matt, we're just going to be discussing all of the latest topics and recent happenings in the world of football. So first of all, how are you doing? Nervous, man. Um defeat to, to Napoli from my Milan. So now the, the race for top four is much tighter. Um, about 11 games left for Milan. So it's going to come down to, of course, the very end. But this is what I expected. So uh, you're going to get some some mixed emotions probably the rest, rest of the season here on the podcast. But as far as everything else goes, doing pretty well. Can't, can't complain too much there. Yeah, it's, it is what it is. Um, I didn't, they didn't really have the lineup to go out there to, to go and win. Yeah, but that's a, that's another story to argue with people. Um, yeah, so there's a few topics that we could really just get into because there isn't that much happening or noteworthy stuff happening in, in world football. I mean, outside of – we're not really going to be discussing it much, but Laporta probably heading back as, as – pre, well, is heading back as president of Barcelona is an interesting story. But, again, as we mentioned time and time again, that topic will have its day probably for a full episode. Um so yeah, so why not start off with some positive music, uh, well, it's music, but it's music to our ears that yet another uh, talented player has chosen the USA over a few country. And um, this is Yunus Musa. Matt, um, I guess we could really say that like looking back around three, three and a half, four years ago, something we were just discussing in the chat on how 2017 was by far our worst year. As a fandom, personally for you and I, as Italian-Americans and the Milan fans, like it was just a dark hole um, of just negati- negativity, uh, not only with the talent side, but just the product on the field, right? USA not making the World Cup. And one of it was just, you know, running with a older core that was clearly proven to be not even that good in the first place whatsoever, in my opinion. And it was just kind of dragged out over time. It was kind of like, Okay, obviously, same story again with the USA. If there's no top-tier young talent that you're going to be playing or hoping to pair up with, like, Christian Pulisic, then what are we doing here? Then it's just a waste of your time. It's 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 really not um, something that I kind of felt was going to improve anytime soon until you got the wrong people out of the, you know, highest powers of position within the federation uh, of the men's side, obviously. And for me... With Musa choosing the USA over the likes of, you know, England, Italy, Ghana, there's obviously always some context with it, right? It's not to Mm -hmm. say that the USA is a better spot to end up winning an international trophy over England or Italy. But the fact usually is with a lot of these players is potential to play eventually. Um, Not playing in, you know, some of these leagues, it's there's tons of talented players in England and Italy who are kind of on a similar trajectory, Matt in the fact that, you know, they have a really, really good young generation or younger generation of players coming up at the positions that this kid plays at. For me, Team USA, it just, it's such a big get because it's just, it's not even just a talent thing that they're getting here. It's just the sheer fact that yet another player is is choosing to side with USA, despite like, you know, nothing really being accomplished as of yet, besides from, players choosing the country. So for me, this is just an overall positive look, whether or not he turns out to be a real star for the national team, because we know it really all depends. It's it's never really about what you do for your club, because we see it time and time again with, like, you know, Tiro Mobile, for example, even certain players with England, right? Um, so for me, I think on a, on a surface level, this is a great sign to see yet another talent choose team USA and whether or not he turns out to be great is another thing but on a surface level I think I think it's a it's a great um moment yet again for uh team USA and it's a consistent trend too so you could go ahead and speak on it. yeah um with Musa too I mean you, just real quickly he follows up Dest right Sergio Dest who's at Barcelona who was previously at uh Ajax who chose the men's national team U.S. men's national team over playing for the Netherlands, right? And the Netherlands are a team that's on the rise. I mean, I think, you know, he would have had some competition there for sure. 
but they're a team that's sort of rebuilding um, and have done a really good job rebuilding with some really key players in the back, up front, in the midfield. Like they have a pretty good core group there. So for him to choose um, the U.S. men's national team was, was very promising. And then now, of course, you have uh, Musa here from, of course, from, from uh, Valencia, actually born in uh in new york and and just to give the the the, the listeners some 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 backstory on why he's eligible or was eligible to choose between england ghana italy or the u.s um of course born in, in new york he has a lot of background from ghana through his parents and then they his parents obviously moved um, with him to italy at a very young age so um and then, and then later on he actually joined arsenal's academy at age nine which i know pet was quick to bring up in the chat before we went live here so before we even woke up and later yes, um but that, again that's another thing and another another arsenal prospect leaves and here he is right going somewhere else and not playing for arsenal but um this <laughs> has been a, a, a regular fixture for valencia i mean he's got over 20 appearances this year he's playing regularly he's 18 years old and for him to get that sort of um, notoriety um, as far as like a, a big key player choosing the men's national team. I mean, he's a player that's not someone that you will anticipate playing in like three, four years. I think he's a player that given the, 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 the dynamic of this men's national team squad, it's very young, but there's a lot of young talent that's been playing at the highest levels, you know, Pulisic, all these sorts of players have been playing, you know, in the top Europe's top five leagues. So they're a little bit more advanced, a little bit more further on, than um, you uh, players of the past, right? They're not 16, 17, mm-hmm. 18 playing in the MLS, which I think that's, that, that's very key here and very important to look at. So I'm very excited to see Musa, you know, making this, make his, making this decision. I think it also speaks volumes to the infrastructure and the work they've done um, in, in building something that can convince a young player with options to choose a men's national team. I mean, it has to be a very exciting proposition for, a lot of these young players um, when, when, when surveying the men's national team and making that decision, right? I mean, you look at the players they have, you look at how much, ex- how much excitement is behind this project heading into some big key to- uh, tournaments in the coming years. I mean, it, it, it's exciting, Martino, but you and I know when what we saw the 2018, the failure to qualify for the world cup, it's one of those things where you're kind of a little bit nervous, you know, you're like, it's like that, that Stephen A. Smith meme where he's like, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. Because I, I, on one hand, I love the talents that they have coming through and that they currently have, but I'm really sort of concerned and I have my reservations and I don't want to get too ahead of myself because of the coaching, because of just the simple fact that there is a risk that not all these players are going to pan out. As you mentioned, nothing's a formality, but also that, you know, the men's national team hasn't done a great job over the years in ushering along these players. They still rely on those older players. Michael Bradley's, the Giassi Zardes of the world, Josie Altadors. I mean, some of these players that you know what they are by now. So to, to, to tie it all back and bring it back to Musa, it's, it's great news, but we have to wait to see what the, what, the, what the performances are for the national team and ultimately as a collective unit to see where the men's national team will stack up heading into that sort of World Cup qualifying phase when it does come around. Yeah, which is actually really soon, <laughs> like really soon. Um, so expect that to start happening because, Matt, literally next November is the World Cup. I mean, it's really cool to, to like have the Euros and that yeah. on top of it. But in reality, I mean, kind of having these seasons in club football kind of suck. I, they're not they're not as fun as um, usual. There's just it's so much so rapidly. Um, yeah, so I mean. Best of luck to him. Congratulations on joining uh, Team USA. Hopefully he uh, makes the most out of his opportunities. And this is kind of just um, <clears throat> we're also like Valencia is going in that direction too, man. Um, they they got a like we eventually got to talk about them one day because their whole their whole outlook um, with what's going on with uh, Peter Lim and and all that stuff, um, especially our boy Cutrone playing with them as well. Mm-hmm. So. So we'll move on. Obviously, one of the bigger parts of last week's episode was getting into the Champions League and how the round of 16 was happening and how the first half of the round of 16 matches were played. We had teams advance. We had teams go home. Um, Nothing bigger or more disappointing than the two. I mean, the main topic was going to be him, but we have to talk about uh, the other guy for a little bit as well, I think. So Cristiano Ronaldo, Q, right? We'll start with them. 
they get knocked out against Porto. Uh, 2-1 loss in the first leg, come back around in this one, give up a free kick goal where Ronaldo doesn't even stay with the wall in extra time. Chesney, it, it stings his hands, rolls in. That was the extra away goal that they got in extra time. That's still a rule. Um, Juve's done. Uh, three straight years for them, very underwhelming results in the Champions League. Probably the highlight of it was the comeback against Atletico Madrid for Cristiano Ronaldo. This was by far his worst Champions League campaign, by f- not only with Juve, probably the worst one since he was very young with Manchester United. This, he was non-existent in the two legs, man. Like, just call it what it is. He was just a flat-out no-show, and I don't really care what anyone tries to tell me outside of, like, you know, what other what his other teammates did or didn't do. The fact was this. It didn't affect Federico Chiesa. Chiesa was the only one that really showed up for Juve over these two legs uh, and dominated with it. Um, he got Ronaldo got the one assist, but whatever. That's not what they signed him for. I think it was for it's to sign him to sign up um, uh, to to play up in these matches and, and dominate. Granted, he did the past two seasons, but again, this is just a team effort. I don't really want to hear any of the excuses coming out from his fan base, coming out from the Juve fan base. The Juve fan base aren't giving excuses for it. These are they're very smart people who have been around following this team uh, forever now, and they know how this story goes in the Champions League. This was uh, not just a before and after thing with Cristiano Ronaldo. This is He's just kind of like a victim of what it's like playing for Juve in the Champions League, that they can't get over it, uh, this hump. Um, this team building has been, has been a thing forever, Matt. Like you, you can't just be giving all this money to one guy going around trying to, you know, sign guys on Bosman transfers and hoping they all end up like Popogba, right. When the majority of them are really kind of similar to Aaron Ramsey. And then you get the in-betweeners like Rabio. Um, the defense is, is just not good enough. The substitution with Pirlo taking Bonucci off was, was odd. Um, and again, this is this all ties back to what they've been doing in past summers, man. And it's really just catching up to them, in my opinion. And just the high, this year hiring of Andrea Pirlo is this. You're either going to lose one of the two. And in my opinion, you're probably better off keeping Andrea Pirlo. One, because it's easier to offload Ronaldo because some team will eventually want to come calling for him. Um, you free up a ton of wages on the books. Pirlo has done some nice things. He's already won a trophy. Granted, it's a Supercopa. It's still a trophy with Juve. He has them in contention to obviously get top four. I think they'll get top two. But again, you fire another manager that would, and you keep Ronaldo, that would be the fourth manager in as many years as having him. And that's just not a sign of stability. And once he leaves, it kind of puts them in a, in a rocky situation where I already think they're slowly becoming not the most desirable team to sign with in Serie A. I think that's slowly turning into Inter. Uh, but that's a story for another day. For me, Matt, again, another massive failure for them. I think Ronaldo's future is looming elsewhere. Whether or not it's a return to Real Madrid, we don't know. And Hazard got injured again, by the way, today. So that's just another fascinating footnote. And uh, a, a, basically his replacement on the left side, right? More or less. For me, I don't know where he ends up going. We don't even know if Zidane is going to be staying at, at uh, Real Madrid. For me... I think it's run, he's run his course at Juve. If he stays another year, fine. I mean, there's no real super negatives to it, except you limit yourself in the market. Um, for me, it hasn't been an epic failure at Juve, as I, as I toss it over to you after this. I just think, I think of it like this. This isn't the great success that they thought it would be. There's been a lot of positives with it. I think the the massive negatives in the Champions League will take away from a lot of the positives where he's on track to be top goal scorer this year. He finished second the other two years. Um, they won two league titles. They won a uh, Supercopa. They're winning domestically and they're doing what they did before. They got more popularity and notoriety across the world simply because they got the most popular player of all time playing for their team. But at a certain point, Matt, we all knew, and we said this, not just with the state of play, but we were doing like soccer showdown episodes. You signed Cristiano Ronaldo to win the Champions League. And the fact is this, they didn't even make a semifinal. And that's all you have to say. That's all you have to say. I'm not even going to have to go into greater detail of it. I'll let it speak for itself. So you take it away. You come away with the situation. Um, What do you think is going to happen, et cetera? Yeah. So when looking at the Ronaldo-Juve 
dynamic era, whatever you want to call it or frame it as, there's a couple of different ways you can look at it. I mean, there's always the business side, the, the economical side, the financial side. And obviously that was whether or not he performed the way he performed at Real Madrid. It didn't matter. I mean, you can see this guy's a, a commercial success anywhere he goes. It's they're just going to thrive. I mean, the exposure to the attention that's put on Serie A now is um, much more and much much more massive with him there. So, I mean, to say that, yes, there's been benefits on that front, but I think those were, those are formality, excuse me. Like anytime you get Ronaldo, you know, that's, you're going to have that. You're going to sell shirts. You know, you're going to have fans that come in there. You know, you're going to have a lot of outsiders to foreign people that come in to watch this league because of Ronaldo. He's just that type of polarizing athlete who's a, you know, worthy and garnering of that sort of attention, just like Messi, just like all these, some of the other players in the past, but you're silly, you're silly and foolish to think that Juve, by them bringing in Ronaldo, that was kind of where their bar was. Oh, okay, well, we'll, we'll make some extra money. The, ba- the brand exposure will be there. We got a sort of rebranding of our jerseys and all that stuff. And, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll make some money. We'll, we'll, we'll do well on the, on the financial front. Yes, fine. But you bring in a guy like Ronaldo, you have to match his competitive nature. You have to match his ambition. And you have to match the fact that he wants to challenge and win anything imaginable when taking up this opportunity. He went to Juve and Juve acquired him and moved a lot of things around to, um, you know, to make this deal happen for the simple reason of winning a Champions League trophy. Like you don't bring in Ronaldo and then your bar is, oh, let's make it to a semifinal or a quarterfinal. Ah, you know, we, we'll get a domestic double. Like, no. And I would argue with, with the actual s- squad dynamic and the, sh- the way the squad is structured from both a personnel side and the wage side, it wasn't conducive to getting the results that Juve would have wanted when acquiring Ronaldo. Yes, he scores in goals. Yes, he had a hat-trick on the weekend. And he had, you know, uh, the, 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 the highlight reel goals and the highlight reel the hat-tricks, all those sorts of things. And he, 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 he does great on that front. But there's something to be said about when you invest so much into Ronaldo that the rest of the squad compromises there. I mean, he's got almost about half their goals this year, Martino. I don't know the exact number, but he's got 23, 24 goals. Juve has something around 55, 56, something around there. So he's he's carrying a lot of the weight, and rightfully so. That's what you ask of him. But then you have Gala Chiesa, who's obviously been very, very strong, in Morata. But then it either feels like a feast or famine type squad here, where if Ronaldo's not getting a hat trick, they're having to claw to get, get results. Some, sometimes they have, sometimes they have not. Look at the Verona game, drawing them twice. Look at earlier in the season with Crotone drawing them. Like, there's obvious holes and, and voids in this squad. And I can't completely put it on Ronaldo, though, at the same time, because he's producing. Like, you're bringing a guy, can he's doing his end of the deal. Now, whether or not the players are sacrificing, you're sacrificing production and quality elsewhere, well, let's look at what, what Juve did as far as extending the aging players that they had previously. The Sami Kadiras of the world, giving contracts to Mario Mandzukic. Some of these guys that were kind of over the hill or past it, having a lot of money tied up in Iguain, spending a ton in wages for Rabio, Aaron Ramsey. Like at some point, that's going to come back to get you. And no more now with, with the pandemic. Like everyone's feeling the effects. The, the richest clubs are feeling the effects. The, the clubs at the bottom of the, of the totem pole are feeling the effects. So there's a lot of blame to go around here. To put this completely on Ronaldo is a little bit silly because I think in many ways he's done his end of the deal here. But it just goes to show you that even a guy like Ronaldo, like you can't do it on your own. And I always try and apply the same sort of logic and reasoning to the Messi situation where everyone's like, ah, Messi bottled it. Ah, look at them. They're losing the PSG in the Champions League. Look at them. They're not going to win the title this year. Well, yeah, because look at the guys around him. Coutinho, deadweight players who have not provided anything. So the money's got to go somewhere. Like there's not this bottomless pit of cash that you could throw around. And I, I would argue that even in the previous years, and this is my final point, Martino, in previous years where, where, where Juve were at their best, they had a sort of healthy blend. They were on the market getting players like Arturo Vidal for relatively inexpensive prices, then getting the free transfers, then having the established players, the guys like you know Barzagli, Bonucci, Chiellini, Buffon, but then the guys got like Tevez for a cheap, a cheap price. Pogba they got for very inexpensive. So 
they were in a much healthier financial position there. And the goals were even spread out. The, t- the two finals they made, I know they had Iguain in the second one and they lost to Real Madrid and they came up against Barcelona in the 2015 Champions League final. Two very, very strong teams. But those sides had a little bit more balance to them. You weren't getting this big 15 to 25 to 30 million type player in your squad. So there's something to be said about that. And the landscape of football nowadays in comparison to what it was a couple of years ago. Is paying a player that much money conducive to getting the results if your result or your aim is getting a Champions League title? I don't think it is. And if Juventus fans are thinking that because keeping Ronaldo another year is going to suddenly allow them to go out on the market and get X, Y, and Z to, to bolster the squad, I think you're, you're sadly mistaken here. I think they're in this with certain players like Bentacor, Rabio, Arthur, good players. But as we've seen, it's just quite clearly not enough to win the competition because there's so much strength in the Champions League. It takes something special to win the Champions League. The squad that you see with Juve right now with Ronaldo in comparison to the squad that he had at Real Madrid, it's not even close, Monty. <laughs> Modric, Cruz, Ramos, Marcelo, Casemiro, Benzema. I mean, look at those players. It's not even close. It's not even close. They, Juve couldn't even break down a 10-man pro, Porto over 70 minutes. All credit to Porto. But at some point, I mean, my goodness, someone step up for Juve besides Chiesa. I don't really know what else to say about Juve, to be honest with you. And I, I would agree with you. I think Inter are the, the, the destination. I think they're the team that's going to be on the rise and be the team to beat for the next handful of years. Whether or not Juve take a step back and they reassess their squad and they look for players of the younger mold and they try and rebuild that way, I think they're going to have to. But if, I, don't, I don't think it's coming next year. I think Ronaldo does wind up staying another year, sees out the rest of his contract. But I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult um, times for Juventini. I, I really do. Good. Deserve it. Don't really care. Um, yeah, so Leo Messi, right? Because we have to talk on this too. And um, the only because of the simple sheer fact that if we put it into the context of this, Matt, that could have been his last ever game for Barca in the Champions League. And just think about that for a second. One of the greatest players of all time, depending on who you talk to, they think he's the greatest. One of the most, like, you know, if he's not the best Champions League player, he's probably he's second in my book behind Ronaldo. Ronaldo's record speaks for itself in Champions League. But, like, you wrap your head around it that it's been a thing for 15 years that we're commonly used to. Nah, it's the same thing with Ronaldo, that we're used to a player like this playing for this club, having this incredible dominance in the competition, rode away against the best teams in the world, legendary sides, sides who were, you know, not not as big, you know, dominating group stages where you're scoring like five goals in a match like that. It's just not going to be replicated, Matt. It's just not. Like, you're not going to see this again for a singular player coming up from the youth teams dominating with one team. And if we do see it again, it's not going to be for a while, right? Because we talk about Erling Haaland, Kylian Mbappe dominating, right? They're already on their second team in the Champions League that they played for. Messi still just played for one. Like, they, like think about that. And Messi's in his mid-30s. For me, I I think there's more of a chance now with the new presidency, um, Bartomeu's situation. It could potentially be resolved, but with the financial situation with Barcelona, I, I genuinely do not understand how they could do it and get away with it. But then again, it's football. Certain rules apply for certain clubs, and then they don't apply to the others, right? And just go ask Inter fans. Um, so for me... I, I just I just think it just, you know, just to talk about it is that if that was the last mess Leo Messi ever played for Barca in the Champions League, salute to you and the gr- one of the greatest, you know, just pure talents in, ge- in, in anything. I'm talking, you know, acting, whatever, broadcasting, uh, music, whatever the hell you want to want to say this. This kid was a true Mozart from the time he was born and he grew into this, like on how improbable the whole story is and for where Barca was as a club, 
to where they are now is a big difference, Matt, between one Champions League and you're looking at five. He doubled Juve's Champions League in his career, just for perspective for the club that Cristiano Ronaldo was playing at. Just the passing, the creating of the chances, the finishing. Some of the best moments in Champions League and football history are coming from Leo Messi dominating with Barcelona in the Champions League competition, beating Manchester United in those finals, his goal-scoring celebrations, um, even scoring a header. That's one of That might be the most iconic header in a Champions League final, or one of, right? The one he scored against Manchester United. It's just potentially an end of an era, and it needs more context put into it on how truly special it was. Because what Ronaldo did at Real Madrid was nothing short of extraordinary. But this has just got more goosebumps to it because it's potentially the last thing you ever see in terms of the storyline. And for me, if that was the last thing, I was such a pleasure to, to have watched it and appreciated it. And even if this was the last time we'll see Ronaldo do something big, right? Because we never know where he'll move off to and before we move on. But like Matt, I, just even the both of them, what they were able to do, I kind of don't care what Mbappe and Holland do. They could have extraordinary careers. They could both win a couple of Champions Leagues. I don't think I'll ever see what the both of them did for their respective clubs, Real Madrid and and, and um, Barcelona, even Manchester United for Ronaldo. Like, it just truly was the, the greatest football spectacle in club history. It just it just was. Like, there's a, there's nothing close to it. That rivalry, what they were able to do for a decade. Like that's like that's you're you're potentially looking at that. It's a potential changing of the guard. Depending up depending upon where these two sign, you never know. Messi could go to Manchester City, and then you know he's right back in the swing of things to eventually win uh, another Champions League. But just the you know it's there's stories endings, you know chapters closing in a book. That's what this is potentially, and um. I just like to say I appreciated every single moment of it because it was just the most amazing thing I've ever seen. It gives you goosebumps every single damn time they had their biggest moments in the biggest matches. It's just, it, like it's just like those are those are memories you carry carry with yourself for the rest of your life, and I don't think it's really comparable. Um, you know, I just it's you get at a loss for words at a lot of the time when you watch the both of them play in this competition. And just to see the both of them go out at the round of 16, there's clear decline play in both, right? Like the best days of these two are clearly behind them. Whether or not they can still win is another story. But for me, holy shit, man. That was just like, it just if that was the capper for both of them at the highest level, being the best players on their teams and the best teams in the world, hats off to the both of you. You're, you're one and one A. 1A, 1B, like it's, it, it was great. It was truly amazing to, and a pleasure to watch. They, they're they not retiring. I get that, but yeah, I mean, just what else can you say? They both, they both deserve an applause. If there's ever like two players in this competition that ever just, you have to sit back and say, okay, let's reflect on what they did. I think the both of them deserve that. And obviously there's other players. I think like, we'll look at like Sergio Ramos like that, but man, it's he, icons. Just straight up icons is all you have to say. And uh, yeah, respect to them. I mean, I mean, yeah, wish there was more parody in the 2010s, but I mean, that's how great they were, right? So um, this, any last thoughts with the Messi stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think speaking on Messi in in relation to, to Ronaldo and them both their respective sides battling out of the Champions League round of 16, I think what this year specifically maybe for, for Juve and Ronaldo – um, and maybe more so something that predates this year for Barcelona and Messi, which I think you kind of saw the end of an era, end of a cycle because of noticeable gaps and noticeable uh, turmoil at, at Barcelona. I think what this bowing out for both of them showed us, me specifically, and I, and I would say probably those who watched these uh, these two legs, is for once they feel human. Like when you're watching them for once, they feel like, wow, like the players that were extraterrestrial their entire lives and just defying odds, like putting up ridiculous numbers, carrying their teams, doing the impossible, which seems like every champions league, champions league night, like they felt human. 
And I know it's funny too, because, you know, Ronaldo still is still obviously capable of playing at a really high level on the stage. Same thing with Messi. And you kind of got a sense too, when you're seeing Messi score that wonderful goal that he scored from distance against PSG, um, like he could still do that. And it was just kind of like a, a little bit of a, a, a blemish um, and a little bit of like a footnote on what was a disappointing, another disappointing year for Barcelona and potentially a disappointing end to his career at Barcelona um, as a whole. But that's what this kind of showed me was Messi for all the great he is and all the great he has inside him and all the great he's shown over the years. There's like that. Okay. Finally, he feels like human to most people. Like he's, he's having his, one of his statistically, one of his worst years, but then you look at it and you're thinking, well, he's still like amongst the top goal scorers in La Liga. He's still producing assists. He's still pulling out those moments that make you, reminisce about the, the, the strong Barca sides in the past, right? With Javi, Iniesta, Puyol, Pique. I mean, this goes, Dani Alves, this goes on and on and on. So if it is the, the last season, I know we have a couple more months left in the season of La Liga, but that we see of Messi at Barcelona, we'll, we'll have to wait and see how uh, things pan out. Um, what a career it was at Barcelona. I mean, you know, this is a, a player that, you know, in our age bracket, right, Martino, you know, in many ways, this could be him and Ronaldo. Like, those are, like, our Maradonas. Like, our – wow, like, we grew up with these players. When I first started watching football, like, when I was in middle school, when I was, like, 11, 12 years old, mm-hmm. to now being – I mean, I'm talking, like, 16 years almost here. <laughs> like, that's a lot of time. You know what I'm saying? To be watching – like, I watched these players start as, like, bright young stars to becoming, like, the two best ever in the eyes of them, of many. So – the tip of the cap to both of them. I know people probably say I'm a little bit more hard around Ronaldo where I play favoritism towards Messi. But at the end of the day, like I have a certain appreciation and a certain respect for the competitive spirit both these players have. And at the end of the day, we may not see anything else like this for a very long time. So that's kind of my my last point to make on them. Yeah. Um, true appreciation of genius like that is always um... – important to notice because as as we've seen over recent years you don't realize how fast uh it could quickly end with some players um so yeah um all right so before we head into our last topic of the day we just want to let you guys know that this podcast is brought to you in affiliation with so rare the global blockchain fantasy game so rare is a fantasy game of soccer where players buy sell trade and manage a virtual team with digital player cards very similar to football ultimate team uh, uh fifa ultimate team on on fifa itself except you have these cards online. If you use our link and buy five new cards with the primary market, they're both individual cards and bundles, then they then you get one free card. So you head on over to sorare.pxf.io slash SOP. The description is in the podcast um, episode description. It's all over on our Twitter feed. If you have any questions about it, you could just tweet at me, Matt, or Pet, and we can help you guide you in the right direction about this and um, how you want to get invested in it. Like NFTs are by far one of the fastest growing markets in terms of hobbies as well, because we've seen a resurgence of this all happening, especially in the States again. Like we mentioned all the time with, with baseball cards that, that were so iconic, but now it's all digital. The NBA has moved into this direction as well. So hop on it now and get in on the ground floor because you could be like Pet and get a Memphis to buy a card that's worth a couple grand. Give it a couple years uh, when Arsenal might finally uh, win a Premier League title. That card could be worth, you know, 30, 40 grand, but that's probably, you know, 20 years from now. Um, so other than that, we have to turn to our last topics of the day. And this one is a more sensitive topic for Matt. Um, and honestly, it's probably the biggest injustice in terms of individual award robbery in football history, in my opinion. So there was no ball on door last year. Well documented. Made absolutely no sense. We finished all the major leagues, all the major competitions. Stats were put out there. Um, and in reality, there really wasn't anyone that should have rivaled Robert Lewandowski for the award of Ballon d'Or should have been his first Ballon d'Or along with his first Champions League, but nope, he was robbed of that. Um, for whatever reason, France decided that there was no reason to have the Ballon d'Or. So in my eyes, put it up, just add it to the list on Wikipedia because anybody can edit anything. Lewandowski was the Ballon d'Or winner last year. So for me, heading into this season, Matt, or well, towards the tail end of this season now, 
with all these leagues and competitions winding on down. I think it's the same guy that deserves it. I don't really think there's an argument for a singular player out there that has actually dominated and been fully healthy for the whole season, where his team is also performing at a high level. Obviously, I know I like to say that, you know, team accomplishments are separate from individual accomplishments, right? Because Messi's had extraordinary seasons where they haven't won the league. And there's also been seasons like Cristiano Ronaldo has had where his team hasn't won the league. It's an individual trophy. It should be based off of individual statistics and relative to your team's success based on that as well. For me, Bayern Munich just won a sextuple within this calendar year. Um, They're well on their way to win another league title. They're one of the favorites to win the Champions League again. Lewandowski keeps on breaking numbers within the Champions League, within Bundesliga. He's far and away the the best player. Ronaldo, Messi, guys who are usually uh, toss their hats in the ring for this. They're not up there. We've seen Kevin De Bruyne get hurt. Um, He could potentially have been in the conversation. Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, guys like that aren't really in this conversation. Lukaku and Inter, you know, crashed out of the Europa League. Neymar hasn't been healthy enough. I don't think Mbappe has nearly been as good as Lewandowski has been. So for me, Matt, I think the choice is clear um, early on here. Robert Lewandowski should be winning this award. There's still a lot of football left. We'll see what happens within the Champions League. But if there is a player to potentially make a run and, and do some damage, it could potentially be Kylian Mbappe with the Euros this summer and the rest of the Champions League, and he's done pretty well so far in Champions League. That's the only person I could see potentially taking it over. But for me, Matt, it's it's your boy again. I, I, think, he, I think he fully deserves it. And I think, I'm not saying it's what the voters should be doing, but I do think they're going to be taking into consideration on how he wasn't able to win that award last year. And it might factor in to a certain extent on this year's award. So for me, Robert Lewandowski deserves to be the Ballon d'Or winner for this year. And um, I don't think it's any contest. It's not. <laughs> it, it's it's literally not. I think he was he was robbed last year because of both by the pandemic and by the fact that the award just simply didn't take place of winning this award. And I think it would have been massive for him from from the simple reason that you know you, you as we just touched on previously, you had an entire era dominated by Ronaldo and Messi exchanging this honor for Lewandowski to to have won this award, it would have meant a great deal to the game and also potentially somewhat of a passing of the torch. I know that, that we had the Luka Modric Dior in between, but that was a one-off. Like that wasn't like a two, three years of neither Messi or Ronaldo winning it. Like it's been, this has been since I guess, as long as I can remember since Kaká won, this has been a Ronaldo Messi sport as far as this award goes. And the year that, that Lewandowski had last year, obviously deserving of the Ballon d'Or, without question. The goals were there. The domestic honors were there. The Champions League title. I mean, even before winning some of these trophies, I, I, I'm thinking to myself, they won the treble. He had the most goals in Europe. I, maybe just inching out uh, Immobile, or maybe Immobile had a little bit more. But in any case, he had the honors to back it up and to support his claim. It should be him. Last year, should have been last, him last year, excuse me. But this year, I'm hoping... Justice prevails. I'm hoping common sense prevails and they give it to the guy who rightfully deserves it. He's one, a a phenomenal footballer two a phenomenal professional. I mean, you never really never hear anything bad about this guy. Like he's, he's, he's a true gentleman in every sense. And he's just a fun. How much did Dortmund fans even hate him? If they hate him to an extent, like, you know what I mean? Like the, the ultras probably hate the guy, but I mean, but outside of them, like, you know what I'm saying? Like Messi and like, Ronaldo he's... have very strong fan bases that dislike those players. Like he's a very, who hates a, he's a very likable guy. I mean, I, there's interviews you can find of him. You know, there was, a, I think four, three, three gave out, gave out uh, an award to him recently. And the interview, it's like, it, it's, you can, you can see the admiration and appreciation from his family, his friends, his, his teammates, like, this guy is really well-respected, and I think he had a, a year that was deserving of this award. So I'm hoping that, you know, look, I know for as good as Mbappe and Holland are, they're going to get their chance. Like, you know they're going to get their chance. They're, they're, they're very special players. We've been singing their praises for, for, for months on end on this podcast. But at his age, Lewandowski, like, the, he, like, if he doesn't win one with all he's accomplished over the years – then it's just going to be very disappointing from a football standpoint, even let alone a, a, a super fan, because I, I love him. 
love him to death, but um, I think the one thing that does favor him or the one thing that's going to be interesting to watch how it sways in his favor or not in his favor um, is obviously Euro. Now, Holland with Norway, they're not there. They're not participating. But obviously, France is, and the fact that France um, were runner-up in the, the 2016, they won the World Cup in 2018, of which Kylian Mbappe had a very good performance and a very good tournament overall and to, to winning the World Cup. Those two feel like the favorites. I know Holland's been putting up extraordinary numbers, but I think there's going to be a focus on the tournament as well. And this one specifically, given the fact that it was delayed of the year. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, obviously, a Champions League mm. trophy mm. would further his, his, even further his case and potentially cement it, regardless of what Poland do at Euro. But I think it's clear to anyone who's watched this game that I think Lewandowski's been the best player this year. It, it catapults him into an entirely different conversation that we will randomly be having in 10 years if they win the Champions League and he wins the Ballon d'Or again. Well, I say again because of my mind. But, but it, it just does. It's just, it's a, you know, class elevator in terms of the pantheon of greatest players of all time, uh, especially strikers. Because I, off the top of your head, you, you, say, you would say, he's top 10 all time as a striker or he's in near that conversation. We'd have to think about it. Um, so yeah, Matt, let's talk about that competition, right? Um, we saw a lot happen, obviously. Um, we discussed some of this. There were some surprises, some that weren't that big of surprises. We were all wrong on Juve advancing. Two of you were wrong on Barca advancing. I had PSG. Um, I don't know if, we had, or one of us had Leipzig advancing. Um, I, it's truly hard for me to remember. I think I we think all we, picked Liverpool. I think we touched on it. I think we, we had some sort of like handicap for a betting opportunity. I know. We yeah. I, well, yeah, we, we mentioned that in terms of a hedge bet, but that wasn't right. picking Liverpool to advance. I'm talking about when we had Pet on. I think we all picked Liverpool. I think where I went differently is a match that's going to be ended uh, uh, happening. And this was Atalanta Real Madrid. I had Atalanta advancing, not looking great for them with no away goal. They had the red card. They come back home. Real Madrid's more healthy um, at this point for me. Um, not much going on. Right. I mean, listen, Bayern should just take care of business with what they have that lead over Lazio is incredibly healthy. Manchester city is well poised and positioned to advance yet again, um, being up to nothing on Munch and Gladbach. Uh, Chelsea Atletico is a tie that is going to be fascinating. Um, Chelsea got that away goal. Atleti did not score at all. They're in a really poor run of format um, where they're kind of letting Real Madrid and, and Barcelona back in the door a little bit um, in La Liga. In terms of this, it was not a great result for them. I thought um, they would have got smacked by uh, – they would have smacked Chelsea, but that um, has proven not to be true. So, Matt, which fixture are you looking forward to the most? I would say for me personally, on Tuesday, it's Madrid-Atalanta by far, and then sticking with the city of Madrid, at the, uh, Atletico and Chelsea for that one. Um, that one's going back to Stamford Bridge. Madrid and Atalanta are in Bergamo for that one. So tell me who you're looking forward to. Probably those two matches as well. Who do you think is going to go through? Personally think that um, Real Madrid is just going to advance, not allowing that away goal and returning key healthy players is such a massive boost. I think Atalanta's run is over, Um, even though I think they're going to give them a hell of a game, a really good game, and they could advance. Wouldn't shock me. In terms of Atletico, I I think that form is catching up to him, man. I, I don't know. I, th- I think I was dead wrong on this. I think Chelsea are very well poised in position to advance. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea have been a different side and completely rejuvenated under Thomas Tuchel. I mean, all credit to them. I think there was some um, some questions and concerns amongst Chelsea fans about what type of Chelsea they would expect under Tuchel, right? It's never easy um, jumping into this job or any job midstream and being asked to steer it back on track. Uh, you got the Champions League. You obviously have Chelsea fighting for certain things in the top four conversation in the Premier League. So I think Chelsea are, are, are showing under Tuchel that they're a different side. Uh, and can we maybe make some comparisons to what we saw under Di Matteo when he took over middle of the season and they won the Champions League? Maybe it's that sort of year for them. Who really knows? But when I look at these two matches or look at the, the, the Atleti and Chelsea first – 
I think this is um, aligning with what I expected and that this was be this would be the most competitive tie. I, I liked Atletico to move on, but I think now you're starting to see that it can, this one could go either way. I think Atleti have shown that they can win in certain different ways. They have the Luis Suarez factor. He's still very strong, very productive. So the fact that you know Chelsea didn't win so convincingly in the first leg, they won the match, mm. but obviously there's still so much to play for in the second leg that's going to make this much watch football. So I'm very excited to see how this plays out. Um, and then I'm going to follow you on the Real Madrid Atalanta second leg. Right? I think, you know, Atalanta with that red card, uh, in my opinion, unjust, that they that Raima Fruler got sent off early in that one because I think that changed the, the actual approach. Literally everything. Um, and then that was the match, I think, that Atalanta had the opportunity to uh, position themselves to progress past Real Madrid, given all the injuries Madrid had. The yeah. fact that Real Madrid were able to overcome that and, and claw and get a goal. Late goal, too. Being able to move, now go into the second leg much more refreshed, much more healthy as far as their squad goes. I like Real Madrid to move on, but I wouldn't completely rule Atalanta out. I think mm. they're a team that's shown us enough on the offensive side that even if Real Madrid get an early goal in this one, that Atalanta are a team capable of scoring quickly and, and really making it difficult for for Real Madrid. And as we saw, I mean, how many people thought that they gave no, they gave Porto no chance for Juve. I was watching the CBS broadcast and mm-hmm. everyone on the panel, everyone at the desk was saying, Ronaldo, hat trick, Ronaldo, too good. Juve are too good. Don't move on. Stupid. No one gave Stupid. Porto a shot in this one. Now, is that maybe something that you could see in this one where Atalanta, where people are going to give mm-hmm. too much credit to Real Madrid and not enough to the fact that Atalanta can it's score? a little different. It's different. I get it's different, mm. but it's it's this is not the same Real Madrid that we've come. No, to this is not. This is not the the. the you know what I'm saying? So this could be a year for upsets, not so many upsets, but a couple upsets. In this sport, for... and anything can happen. Yeah. You're 100 percent right. Like uh, Liverpool didn't get a away goal. They were down three nothing to Barcelona and 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 a Barca side that definitely could yep. have won that competition. I thought every team that was in that semifinal that year. Uh, Liverpool won it. Either of them, all four of those teams could have won with Ajax in there. For me, I I agree with you. I don't think you can rule anything out, especially with Atalanta. They have such a relentless attack going yeah. forward. Courtois on his, you know, on any given day can have a hiccup. You know, he's been a little inconsistent at certain times at Real Madrid, even though he's been fantastic for the most part. It's just. You know, you never know. A guy can make a mistake. We talk about how rock-solid Chesney is for Juve all the time. Look what happened, regardless of whatever that free kick was, right? It's just it was a mistake at the end of the day. The, the ball rolled in out of his hands. So, for me, I think you're right. I think I think you definitely got to give give them a chance. The Chelsea one, it's it's so interesting. I think that's going to be the best match. Um, but for me, at the end of the, at this point, I think the two favorites are playing in 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 the now. I just I don't know. I don't. I can't trust Man City, man, in the end to win this thing. Not yet. Not yet. I, there's something about them. I, it, you just have to. We have to see it to believe it, you know. And it's not to be disrespectful. I do think City have everything that they need to win it. They just have to do it. And I can't trust them until you know. Make a damn final, man. This is like you know. This is. I think this is the perfect opportunity for them. So we'll see what happens. Um, other than that, I think that pretty much wraps up this episode. We're going to be back uh, next week. Hopefully, Pet will be back with us. International break is upon us. There are some qualifiers happening. You have to figure out the last spots within Euro 2021. There's some World Cup qualifiers going on. Um, I think Common Bowl in general, everything's canceled for them. So no one's going to be traveling to South America uh, in terms of players that are from Europe. So some teams that are, you know, South American heavy, they get a boost. So there's the timer there. Um, we just like to plug pet stuff and Matt, I'll let you plug yours and then I'll do mine. Um, you guys can follow pet at P E T B E R I S H A pet Barisha on Twitter. Um, you could follow him on Instagram as well, I guess. Um, and just follow other, his other work and podcasts as well. Um, great to see that, um, big win for, um, the Gunners over 
Spurs over the weekend. That was a crazy game. I don't know if you caught any of that. Matt, why don't you plug yourself? Yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo. As always, be sure to follow Martino and I on the Milan Reports Twitch channel where we do a weekly podcast every Tuesday and we do post-match reactions um, every match. Uh, not Champions League, hopefully. Europa League and Serie A. And of course, make sure you guys are following uh, State of Play on all channels at State of Play Pod on Twitter and on Facebook and Instagram. Make sure you guys subscribe to us, leave us a good review, give us that five-star rating. We appreciate the support. It's only going to help us grow in the end. And Martino, take us off. Yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Martino Puccio. Um, you can follow our work with the Milan Reports um, on Twitch. Follow, subscribe with a Twitch Prime sub if you have something like that, um, willing to help us out. Obviously, sign up with So Rare for the State of Play podcast and support my work with The Athletic. I need signups. If you are in America, bet MGM, sign up with the link that are in the articles. Place some of the bets, right? Like I said, Cristiano Ronaldo, the best time to bet on him to win Capo Cananiere was prior to Juve being eliminated because there was that chance that would happen. And look what happened. He gets a hat trick when, by the way, guys, should have got a fucking red card for drop kicking the goalkeeper. But I digress. Um, and then, yeah, obviously just follow all our work here on the State of Play podcast. Um, just really working hard. Um, we really appreciate all the loyal listeners. We see hundreds of you guys uh, listening to these podcasts all the time. We appreciate all the feedback, retweets, all that stuff. It's great. Dieter too. Dieter's always Dieter, sharing. Yeah, Dieter again. Yeah. 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 Um, other than that, you guys can just listen to some more kings.